We meet in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, to chat about Python. I'm Chuck. I'm Laís. It's Pi time. Meet, meet Pi. Hello, hello. Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, it's meet, meet Pi. So let me hide a banner. <laughs> I always forget the banner thingy. Okay, so um, yeah, it's in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, and uh, so yeah, what's what's up, Blaze? Life busy? Uh, yes, yes, super busy. But well, we're here still. Uh, yeah. How yeah, is, how are things with you? Life? I am okay. Uh, yeah, of course. Like my mood is not very good because of you know what happened in Hong Kong where I. Grow up and uh, things are not nice. I would like to say, but um, oops, I'm already showing that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm like also busy with my other stuff. I'm doing more coding recently, which is a good thing. And um, yeah, I, I want to like code. It's kind of like calm my nerve when I code. I think <laughs> so. Yeah, so let's let's go to the presentation, shall we? Like, I mean news yeah so yeah so we have uh pydata global so uh i uh, actually first of all what is pydata global so um as you know pydata is like uh you know a data science conference which is mainly you know um focused on the um you know the the, the tools that is open source tools that's used in you know um, data science and scientific programming so most of them are non-focused uh, affiliated or sponsored uh, project so uh, we have talked uh, obviously about you know um, data science but also for open source as well so um, other things that it could be not python it could be julia or, <laughs> uh, or mm -hmm. others other stuff so it's quite kind of quite open and um, yeah, so the CFP is now opened. Uh, actually, like it's we are launching it. Kind of like it's already soft launch, but uh, of course, like it, you know, you can start to like you know go to this page and have a look and maybe have some some ideas in mind, like what you want to submit if you are interested. Um, so yeah, the conference itself will be in uh, in November. So it's like I think I believe it's eleventh to. Uh, 14th, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it's a global conference and it's a yeah, it's a cool animation. I love it. Oh, 15th, yeah, like 11 to 15th. So yeah, so it's gonna be the the first ver uh, online conference for PyData. And uh, Lace, would you submit to it or um, or is it too close to uh, PyCon Ireland? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I don't think it's too close to Python Island, and I would definitely submit to it. I think it's a great opportunity for, like, because usually PyDatas are all local. So then this big conference, uh, joining everyone together, being global, I think it's a great opportunity. I'm definitely submitting for it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so uh, the CFP guideline is out, so you can have a look. Like I said, it's like we have already soft launched it, so... Uh, yeah, like just to, you know, think about submitting it. That would be really highly appreciated. And uh, so yeah. the next one is closer, is JupyterCon. So JupyterCon is coming online now. So actually, yes. like this web page, I think they have just like 
uh, redo it because last time I visit, like maybe last week or so, it's basically uh, it's not announced. So they just announced their uh, conference uh, outline. So you can see that they also have a sprint. But uh, yeah, that is highly recommended people to join. And uh, what else you want to add, Lace? And um, well, I I couldn't actually understand because I was reading and having a look at JupyterCon. And um, do you think that uh, the most of the the talks are going to be all focused on Jupyter notebooks, or do you think that we're going to be able to submit anything else data science related? Uh, well, JupyterCon, like all the, I think there's already the talk and the uh, the the tutorial is already having a lined up. So, yeah, I think the proposal is already done. Uh, okay. Oh no, it's how to, oh that's financial aid. Yeah, so but it's already closed. So, uh, oh no, it's not. Oh, it's that yeah, yeah, but they just launched really. it. I thought it yeah, was because because the uh, old one is already like uh, the deadline has passed. Um, so yeah, so I I don't know. Talks and tutorials and posters. Uh, uh yeah. yeah so, so now I think they have relaunched it as an online conference. So yeah, like look at their CFP guideline talk at uh, JupyterCon. So you can see that they are mainly in Jupyter, but also like other data science application can also talk about it. Mm. And okay. Yeah, I think I really, really want to submit, uh, you know, Jup like, because uh, Jupyter is like something that I use like a lot, especially when I do my, um, you know, data science tutorial. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And so the proposers, I had a look here, the proposals close on the 20th of July. So we still right. have like three weeks to submit. Um, and yeah, it will be a great idea. I'm, I'm just thinking what exactly I could post for it. I mean, there's so many people doing so many cool things with notebooks in general anyway, but yeah. Yeah, the good thing about Jupyter Notebook is that, uh, is, or Jupyter like uh, in general is that it uh, is, you know, you, you can actually, if you really, Fittering with it, you can render JavaScript and do a lot of cool stuff with it. Some people turn it into like a a, a presentation tool and things. <laughs> so it's it's really cool. So I think uh, just to be creative. Um, yeah, Binder, isn't it the the one that uh, renders everything into slides presentation? Uh, no, I think I think I think Binder is the one that you know you can do yeah. it online. Uh, use the Jupyter Notebook online. But there's there's another tool I've always forgot. It's basically using this the same uh, JavaScript uh, open source tool that you know Slice.com use it. Like I use Slice.com, but I think mm -hmm. yeah, if you have a lot of code to show, maybe putting it in a Jupyter Notebook could be great. Um, oh, okay. I skip over PyTorch. So you said PyTorch has just uh, you know join non-focus uh, affiliation, right? Yes. Why so uh, do we have that now something? <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I I just put the GitHub one there. Um yeah, so for everyone that does not know, so the non focus is this awesome uh nonprofit that funds projects around the open source community. Uh, so if you have something really, really cool that you'd like, that you maybe need funding for it, um, you should maybe have a look at the Numfocus. They're, they're awesome. They're amazing. They really, really support and try to help with the community. Uh, and if you don't have a project and you maybe would like to pitch to your company to maybe sponsor them, 
um, that would be a great idea as well, because they're quite cool. I got that news on the newsletter early today, so I'm not sure if there is already yeah. a... They may have not updated it yet, but yeah, yeah, but it's good it's good news for them because uh, PyTorch is is getting more and more popular. So you know, as as you know, like TensorFlow and Keras is kind of mainly uh, yeah. supported by um, by Google, and uh, so yeah, PyTorch is popular. Like kind of, uh, yeah, I think it's like because it started having something like Keras in mind that is like more kind of. Uh, higher level um, API that let people use it easy, like more easily. So it's kind of get popular very soon. And it's a good tool, it's open source. So that's great. Cool, 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 yeah. cool. So yeah, that is more news. That's it. I'm just like, thinking this, like this, this, uh, this list is getting bigger and bigger. Like, cause every year, you know, uh, Lum Focus, they will have. Oh, by the way, th those are my friends. <laughs> they, have, they have their face on Lum Focus banner forever. So, like, <laughs> they just joined like five data conference one year, and then they have it their face on a banner forever. <laughs> so it, next time, go to a five data conference. You know, tr beware to like groom yourself, and you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, yeah, this list is getting bigger and bigger, and every year, you know. Uh, when you go to a conference, then I'm focused if, if it's there, like uh, they're a partner or they are sponsoring, then you will see that they will have a booth. And every year, you know, we we see like we look at the, the banner, the new banner and like, oh, there are more logo there. Like they're like new projects that join and also new stickers. So it's like everybody is super excited about non-focus sticker because they have so many projects and you get many, many stickers from them. So uh yeah, every year you get new collection because uh, they have new projects. But anyway, that that's good news for them. Congratulations. Um, so uh, Pi Gotham. So it's online. Right? Yes. So Pi Gotham is a Pi conference that usually happens in New York. Um, they are quite. I mean, they're quite big. I mean, yeah, they're in the US. Uh, and then this year they're moving to an online version, so they're calling PyGotham TV instead. Uh, and the CFP is very close to the end. So if you have a talk that you'd like maybe to, to submit anywhere, that maybe PyGotham would be a good call. Uh, the CFP, the submission process is quite easy. It only takes like a few minutes. So if you have a talk, uh, it seems like a really cool um, conference to go to, like the online version of it. I'm just loving the fact that everything went online. We can do 20 conferences in a week. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Pi-centric. So what's different between like this and, you know, any Python conference? Is it like, because I, is it like just like kind of like Python New York or something like that? Just like. Uh, localized or is it like special theme attached to it so uh i know that the i mean they have talks that apparently they're really good for beginners uh for like including people in the community but then the major thing that i saw about them that is quite interesting is their sprints are focused on kids there from kids around 10 years of age and that's what they're uh, famous for so they are good for helping getting new kids into the tech community as well and that, that's quite interesting like i can't i can't remember the last time i saw a conference directing sprints for young people like for kids at around 10 years of age i thought that was quite interesting yeah because like 
they have some uh, ideas there and so basically it's like general um python related uh, conference yes yeah but then they talk about everything oh yeah i really uh, like this continuous integration for documentation <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah that's good like uh please consider submitting and um Ooh, yeah, the two factors of organization. This is quite a uh, updated talk. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so uh, and also, you know, neural networks for those AI, you know, enthusiasts, you can also talk about something like that. Um, yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Good there's stuff. lots of stuff on uh, open source as well, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, even like you know things that is you know kind of uh, loosely related to Python can also be applying. I always mm -hmm. love talks like that because you know uh, you're not bound to you know just technical stuff. You can also like expand your imagination about like how Python could affect lives in other ways. <laughs> That's interesting. So yeah, okay, and um, Python Island. Yes. <laughs> So we finally got there. So Python Island is going on a rent this next week. We have two events in a row, pretty much one after another. So one one day and the other one the next day. Oh, yeah, um, Miro. Oh, my God. He is amazing. Yes. So and he's giving us the, the talk. He actually sent me a message on Telegram say, um, but with a, a can of Guinness and the mug saying, I'm ready for the meetup. So he's super excited to join us there. And yeah, so if you're around, if you have nothing to do, and if you want to uh, join us, he gave this talk in Euro Python, I think already. Um, but he made a different version exclusive for Python Island. And I'm super excited because I'm known in this Python Island Slack channel as the person who does not know how to handle time zone differences. <laughs> you know so, what's cool about Miro is like he got a very cool lightning talk that basically he's showing off his language skills and everybody's mind is blown. I won't spoil too much because he may give it again sometime in the future, but he is amazing. He's a very cool guy. That's okay. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like I'm really, really, really excited to be hosting him. And so then we have a, a talk just with him and then lightning talks everywhere. So if you do want to submit a lightning talk, we truly appreciate it because um, usually we have two speakers uh, at on, with us every time that we do we do a meetup. But then for this week we couldn't actually get another speaker to join us. So um, we need your help, guys, to keep the meetup uh, going. So yeah, lightning talks, anything five or ten minutes long, anything that you found out this week, anything that you'd like to share with us. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to have a uh powerpoint presentation any slides just you that's it yeah that's all I, I, I may do that if i'm free that day if i'm joining yeah i'm, I'm definitely thinking about that and also like about lightning talk you know the, the most amazing lightning talk section that i've been actually is in pycon namibia that's like i i've talked about it many many times but i don't know whether i've talked about it here that you know it's like it's like lightning talk time and in pycon namibia the first day nobody is like was that they just like sit there and so like uh, the organizers was like a, we are the, the the friends from europe we have been to a lot of conferences so we know what is a lightning talk so we go there and do it the second day we just like it's the, the table change right we just sit there and then the, the local you know attendees they just like queue up it's a very long queue people queuing up to do the lightning talk and everybody just go there and like some 
there's a guy who's just like, oh, this is my first time coming to this conference. I don't know what it is. Somebody just say, oh, it's the conference. I got a ticket coming. And then he just tell a story about like how he, he came to the conference. But like, it just like grab a mic and speak. It's almost like stand up comedian. It's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> that's I, amazing. You see, that's I an really example of engagement. Yeah, I really love it. So uh, yeah, please, please like uh, join the licensing talk <laughs> if you could. Okay. Awesome. So the last uh, uh, news of today is uh, there is a, a blog about the uh, nine flaws of pickles. I think it's a very good read. Actually, it's recommended by Victor, um, a uh, you know the C Python core developer, in his tweet. And um, so yeah, like I'm quite surprised that uh, there are actually a lot of you know things that I never thought about. Like, oh, pickle could bring this problem. So like, some of them I have heard about that before, but like, some of them I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And it also includes some like secure like issues, security issues that, you know, I think it's a good read for people who use Pickle quite a lot. Then you should really think about maybe local alternative if you're doing something that, you know, um, that could be better. So, yeah, so here. Um, yeah, so I would, this link again, like will be in the, um, in the, uh, in the description, yeah. Cause like, I'm not very good at speaking like uh, right now is like, I'm really, I kind of, um, you know, I can't multitask. So, okay, so let me see if I can um, put ourselves in there, uh, in the interview. So who do we have this week? And uh, so this week we have Waylon Walker um so he is a he has a, a background on mechanical engineer uh he's from the us um and he works now as a that data driven solution enabler um the way i met waylon and that we actually got to ask him to come to this interview for us was um he um, as everyone knows um i'm developer i'm developer advocate for quantum black for the Kedro library, the data science machine learning uh, pipeline framework. And he created a few plugins for Kedro. Uh, so he's the creator of Fine Kedro and Kedro Static Viz. Uh, and he's a great Python coder. Um, so he talks to us a little bit on the on the interview about the transition from mechanical engineering to data-driven solutions, um, to the, a data-driven career. Uh, it gives a few advices for people that are trying to learn how to how to get into data science. Um, tells us what worked for him, and tells us how he's to have a family and work as a data scientist, and then keep a very busy dev.to um, profile and uh, just writing about things and talking as well about learning in public. So it was quite a good chat. I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, right. So without further ado, let me um, share the the interview with everybody. So let me do it now. Meet me, Pai, and I have here with me today Waylon Walker. Hello, Waylon. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's the middle of the day, <laughs> and we're going to chat a little bit about Python. Um, perfect. So uh, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone that doesn't know you? 
Uh, sure. So I'm a data scientist. Uh, I work with Python uh, quite a bit. I've uh, been doing it for uh, five years or so now. Um, I am a, a lifelong learner. I love to learn things. That's kind of what one thing that pulled me into more of the Python and tech data science direction uh, away from mechanical engineering. Um, as well as an, an activator. I love uh, not only things, but helping teach other people uh, the things that I learn as well and, and enabling them to uh, do new and cool things in Python. Awesome. So you, you started as a mechanical engineer and then you became a data scientist? Yes. So uh, I graduated from Iowa in 2012 and did mechanical engineering for a few years um, and uh, so a couple of things kind of pulled me into the data science direction one was uh, just I'd always been into into code so even in my days at Iowa State um, everyone else liked using more typical just Microsoft Excel and things like that and as soon as they showed us MATLAB, I was like, oh, I'm done with that <laughs> MATLAB for every assignment possible. And I never <laughs> did anything in Excel again. Um, and then I got to got out of college and I was like, I don't have a math, MATLAB license. Everybody else uses Excel. So I'm kind of, I guess, stuck following everyone else. Um, and I slowly got into this role where I was doing more and more work in data and I was just running into limits all the time. And someone was like, have you looked into this Python thing? I'm like, no, I've never even heard of it. And as soon as I checked it out, I'm like, this is what I've been looking for. It's, <laughs> at the time, it felt like a free version of MATLAB. Yeah. And, uh, but then, like, you find the whole community and the whole ecosystem is so much bigger than, than what MATLAB has. Yes, I started like I did a little bit of MATLAB as well when I started engineering, but it was not my favorite language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really not my favorite language. Like it, it gets quite complex, especially when you're talking mm -hmm. about graphics. Mm -hmm. Like we had to do a few. Um, we had to do I think a few. I, I did a module on thermodynamics using MATLAB. I think, mm -hmm. and we were trying to uh, print cross sections. It was just. It was. Oh just, wow. Oh, yeah. No. MATLAB wasn't for me. Python, on the other hand, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. So, uh, so you started with Excel, then you jumped into MATLAB, and then you got into Python, uh, and then you fell in love with the community. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Wonderful. So, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how involved you are with the community? Um, yeah. So, so I do. Uh, probably the last couple of years, I've started doing. Uh, more blogging and just kind of adopting the learn in public type of mentality and just uh, sharing those things that I learn with others. It also gives me kind of a place to keep my notes. I'm really bad at taking notes and like finding them later. Uh, so pretty much if it's not on my website or my blog, uh, it doesn't exist <laughs> or can't be found. So uh, that's 
that's uh, some a resource I used a lot for myself and to share with others. It's like, oh, yeah, I've already wrote about this here. Check this out and then come back with any other questions you have. Um, and okay, so you talk a lot about, yeah, I, I've seen you, you have like a very wide presence online. You blog a lot and yeah. you're always on Twitter and I love your tweets as well. Uh, and there's always an opinion. There's always a thing over here, over there. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Um, guys, follow him on Twitter, on Twitter and on that though, because he's quite awesome. Um, but yeah, so you talk a lot about this mentality of learning in public. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Like, how? Why is it so good about it for you? Um, I think a lot of it is like at first it was like. I got to be an expert to be able to teach someone about this. But then you slowly realize, like, I can't teach the person that's on their first day in Python anymore because I can't relate back to them. I can't remember what it's like to come across these issues. And they seem so foreign after you've done it for a few years to wonder, like, how do you, like, I write this script in a text file. How do I even run it? And you just kind of <laughs> almost forget that those, those first day issues even exist anymore. It's like this, this learn in public, it kind of gives you that mindset to always be learning and teaching kind of together. So taking notes and writing posts about things that you're learning as you're learning them. That's, that's amazing. But what about the, I mean, I don't know if anyone is going to reverberate it with the feeling, but I have a little bit of imposter syndrome on me still. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I struggle with that too. I, especially, uh, um, I guess part of it for me for a long time was feeling like I don't have a computer science degree. I don't have a data science degree <laughs> or software degree. I, but um, I don't, you know, you don't necessarily need that to work in the tech field. And I feel like in, in some parts of my industry that I'm better off being able to leverage that mechanical engineering degree combined with the tech skills I've learned on my own. Um, Do you? Yeah, the, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, yeah, the imposter syndrome, definitely. Like, I one thing that I feel is strong when you, especially on Twitter and places like that, you, you compare yourself to, like, the sea of Twitter. And you're like, Twitter, like, all my followers are an expert at everything possible. But then you, it, it's hard to not realize that those aren't one person. Mm -hmm. no one person is an, is an expert at everything and that you're in your head you tend to like combine all these people to feel like the same person and that somehow there's this person that's an expert at everything that you're interested in and yeah. in reality that it's more of like the t-shape the model in a way where certain people are experts at it uh very specific one thing yeah. yep but then know enough about adjacent skills yeah. to get the job done yeah it's just cool yeah absolutely uh do you do you think 
everyone suffers from this? Like, do you think everyone does this? Or that's that, that's something that people that maybe don't have a, a, a computer science I degree? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, okay. I don't know if it's like a an ego, like people with a better, like, or a self-image of themselves don't uh, struggle with it as much. Yeah, I don't know. I do know that the community, the community around Python helps a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Like they, they helped me anyway, um, making feel just a little bit safer uh, on going and being able to ask questions and being able to show that I actually don't know even half of the stuff that I should know. Yeah. Um, but well, it's the, it's the, yeah. I really like the learning in public idea. I really do. Uh, so let's go a little bit more into the community talk then. And yeah, tell me, are you contributing to any other, um, are you contributing to anything in the community apart yes. from writing blog posts? Um, so I have done, uh, Hacktoberfest the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I, I do have a number of repos that I've, that I've contributed for as part of that. And I also try to do almost like this Boy Scout rule of like when you see an issue, like uh, raising it up. So I've, I've contributed to some projects that I have no use for. I don't even know what it does, <laughs> but I was trying to figure out what it does. And I was like completely thrown off by the readme. <laughs> so I submit an issue and say, uh, your, your readme has no examples, but after digging for 10 minutes, I found an example. Here's a copy and paste of your example into your readme. How was the response of the maintainers of the pages? Uh, so some, uh, sometimes it's just like, uh, hey, can you make the, tweak it so it looks like this? And sometimes it's kind of like, honestly, I don't know that much about your project, so it's kind of hard to uh, see those issues but uh yeah sure we'll we'll make it look like what you want it to look like <laughs> we'll fix the readme so you can contribute to our repo very good um <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect so uh well full disclosure now so i am the developer advocate for um quantum black and i actually found out about you uh because of all your publications on kedro um mm -hmm. about kedro on nefto so mm -hmm. would you like to tell us just when you started using the tool and oh, why did you start using it? Yeah, so I started in around a year ago, about uh, March maybe of mm -hmm. uh, 2019. And uh, so honestly, I kind of feel like it's, uh, I don't know if you've heard the analogy in front end where um, at this point in front end, the frameworks are so good that if you don't choose to adopt a framework, you end up building your own framework by the end of a more complicated project. Um, so I kind of feel like that's where I was. Like I wasn't using framework. And slowly after a couple of years, I was using a cookie cutter and uh, slowly kind of adopted it my own to my own template. And I had like a place that I put all my file locations. And then I added like this uh, this class that would load in the data, okay. and then a way that would run everything, and like there were like these pieces that kind of mirrored what Kedro does, yes. 
and it, it was like if you built Kadro in an afternoon, what it, would it look like? So <laughs> nothing even close to being as good, but uh, you could see like the similarities. So as soon as I saw it, it's like, why, why would I continue using my version when, when I can use this one that has the the backing of all the all the great contributors there. I, I just love the idea that it's kind of like, okay, so you went home and like, oh, I need something like this. So I'm going to build my own. And then you went around and it's like, oh, I found something that there is a team behind it and it is open source that I can just use it. I'm going to yeah. use this one, but I have my version already. And yeah. I did you try to like maybe adapt, take a, a few features of things here and there to put it on your homemade Kedro or Wayland's Kedro or yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, so we do have, I'm using my own template, but it's essentially like if you did Kedro new, got a template and then just tweaked it uh, a little bit and added like a couple of my own opinions to it, we'll say, mm -hmm. that maybe doesn't belong in the actual framework. Oh, well, we've been, we've been adapting a little of feedback from you, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. And uh, do you want to tell us why you decided to, I mean, why you, why you like using it? So then, yeah, the, uh, some of the big things is I think the, the mental load of working on especially larger projects and trying to like pull that whole thing into your head can be exhausting. And one thing I, I think uh, Kedro does really well with uh, how you set up the, the data catalog and then you set up your, your pipeline is essentially I write a bunch of functions and I just toss them in a big pile and it figures out how to run them and then it has the viz. So at any point I can open up the viz and say, I need to go into this section of the pipeline I can see the inputs here. So you could load in a Jupyter notebook or an IPython shell and just load that data set and start tweaking. I don't need to have the whole project in my head. I don't have to think about everything. I just have to think about one transformation at a time and then just throw it into one big pile and it figures it all out. That's amazing. And so I yeah. think that that's the coolest part for me. And it, it's all in Python. I think some of the other ones that I've seen um, aren't in Python. And it's like you write your code in Python and then hand it over to something else. And I think there was a, a struggle for me to understand how those work or how to use them. And maybe even like a lack of good uh, hello world example. I mm -hmm. think that's one thing that Kedro has really good is you can install it, do Kedro new, and it asks you, do you want data in your template? Oh, and wow. within five minutes, I can have a pipeline that I, that I can run on my laptop. With and, and it's a full working example. That, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. You just a bit of my job. Thank you very much. I won't <laughs> starve and die anymore now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I actually like this question. So uh, if you're going to compare Kedro to an animal, which animal would that be? <laughs> um, I, I never came up with anything good. So um, <laughs> I chose the beaver because uh, 
I don't know, I just felt like the like almost organized chaos in some sort of way and how you uh how you're building separate functions and then you can just toss them into a pile and Kedro kind of figures out like how this should all be organized for me. I can't um, kill your animal. <laughs> They're adorable, don't worry. Hello. <laughs> now she's gone. Yeah. Um okay cool. So an engineer animal. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because because of the organization and the structure. Okay. Um so uh since we're talking about sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that I was trying to think of of an animal that like builds something. Because I feel like I when you're using Ketra, you're building these uh pipelines and building something. I don't know. Maybe ants. Ants are quite organized and they build mm. their their end nest and like they're mm. they're scalable as well. So maybe. Oh. But the, but then that's my brain, it's not yours, so it doesn't yeah. count. Mm -hmm. um, then yes, so we were talking about imposter syndrome beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um so if you had an advice for people that would be since you said that you you suffer with it eventually sometimes as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. What would be your your advice for people that are suffering with imposter syndrome? In, uh, in yeah, so so uh, you don't have to learn everything, uh, especially like in Python. As you look at the ecosystem, I don't need to know Django and Flask and Bottle and uh, Falcon and the. 30 new web frameworks that are coming out to be the async version of Flask and Django, um, especially like as a data scientist, it's probably good to like keep your finger on the pulse and maybe know one of them. But I don't, you don't need to know all 100 or however many web frameworks we have now. Uh, you don't need to know every templating system. Uh, you don't need to know every, like pandas is another one. There's uh, almost daily, it feels like you see a new, uh, this is the uh, scalable parallel version of pandas. Look, it's 10 times faster when we do this thing with it. And you don't need to learn every single one of those. And, and it's always good to like keep your finger on the pulse and keep like, hey, I understand that these things are out there. Maybe you try one out, but you don't need to like deeply understand everything out there. And especially if it doesn't bring value back to the projects you work on. Like if something starts to click and it's like, yeah, this is like my projects really need this and I get a lot of value and a lot of uh, benefit from using the next pandas or whatever it is that you're that you're evaluating jump on board go all in and and uh, know it very deeply but you don't need to learn everything and then and then with that though keep uh, definitely like keep learning every day there's uh, always new stuff to learn. Uh, that's one, one of the things that brought me from mechanical engineering. I felt like when I graduated from university and got in engineering, 
it was like you you sit down and you get ready for a career and it's like the learning stopped and you just it's time to work and I feel like there there's a lot of room to grow and learn on the side of like managing projects communicating with people but I feel like there's so much uh, intellectual property lockdown in that space so many uh, like I can't look at other companies designs even our our designs were just so locked down that like I couldn't see all the history of it I couldn't learn deeply about things uh, versus in uh, data science and tech I can watch hundreds of YouTube videos. There's hundreds of free courses that I can just continue learning every day. Yes. Yes. And, and always getting better. And yeah, Python is amazing for that as well because again, a huge community and a lot of content around and everyone mm -hmm. is always willing to help as well. Uh, yeah, I was failing to understand um, where was the the intellectual property blockage, but you're talking about mechanical in the difference between mechanical engineering and that data science, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, uh, we sometimes we actually don't don't appreciate how lucky we are because everything that we mm -hmm. do, if we work with Python, everything that we mm -hmm. do is open, and we're able to. Mm -hmm learn on the go and yep. learn in public absolutely uh then uh let's see um do would you have any advice for people that are studying now would you would you differentiate the advices that you gave for that you just gave for people that are just mm. studying now would you have anything else to add if there is someone that is watching us that is just graduated from mechanical engineering and it's thinking maybe data is the best way to go, yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Um, so one thing that that uh, keeps coming up recently with like my mentoring of, of people that I work with is try to break large problems down into bite-sized pieces. That's kind of what we talked about with Kedro and one of the benefits I feel like it has but uh, don't don't try to boil the ocean all at once try to you know break your almost like writing an outline before you start writing your report break it into small pieces and then tackle five pieces instead of one divide and conquer mm -hmm. wonderful now you are you are a data scientist. You are a blogger. You have um, you contribute to open source community to open source projects. You do this and you do that, and you're also a dad. Yeah. How do you manage all this? Like, <laughs> what's your secret? <laughs> I don't know. I just love to do this. This is like a lot of what uh, so doing blogging and contributing to open source is almost just like free time okay uh type of stuff um i feel like some of my hobbies maybe before being a dad just doesn't fit as well where <laughs> like i can't i can sit down during nap time for half an hour and add to my blog <laughs> okay. you know? but i i can't as easily take the afternoon and leave to go do other things 
Yeah, it, it gets harder. And how many kids do you? How many kids do you have? I have two. Two. Yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Mm. A lot of fun. <laughs> um, perfect. Uh, so let me see. What? Just to, fi- to finish, I have one last question for you. What's right. your What's your favorite Python library? Oh. You don't need to say Kedro because we we've been through that already. <laughs> yeah. Just another one that um, you think is really cool. I don't know. I recently found this one called Interrogate. That's maybe yeah. one that people haven't heard of. Um, it it's super simple. It just checks if you have doc strings in all your functions. So it's like a uh, like a lint checker, but it just checks is there a doc string and you set a limit. So by default, it it will fail if you have less than eighty percent coverage of doc strings. I love it. And I, then and then, but you can configure it to say I want a hundred percent. Or kind of going back to Boy Scout rule, we've had some projects that have less than 80. So we've just set it to the number, the level that it's at now. And I'm like, going forward, you you have to dock string your new functions or add to old functions. Mm-hmm. You can't go any worse than where you're at today. <laughs> and it's not complicated. Like there's a pi dock string style, I think. There, I don't know what it's called, but there's one that... Uh, it like gets into like your your type of grammar that you're using and all sorts of complicatedness. <laughs> uh, this one's just like, do you have doc strings? Simple enough. That's so I like it. Awesome. So it's interrogate. Yep. Okay, cool. I will have a look at that. I love that. We're talking about pre-commit one of these days. That oh okay. yeah, I just started using pre-commit. That's so amazing. It's amazing, yeah. So we fell in love with it. It's just like yeah. for working in teams is the best thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was just setting up like a bunch of CI for our team, and then I'm like, but if you want to check that CI is going to pass, you have to run these eight different things, mm-hmm. and then realize, oh, there, you can just pre-commit, install, and then it just automatically does all of this. It's, it's amazing, and it has things that. Uh, I hadn't came across before, like the line endings and uh, file endings and uh, disallowing submodules. I've actually ran into a case where uh, we had a guy that uh, finished a number of projects. Uh And I was like, okay, we need to get those in our Git repo so that we have, so other people can see them. They're safely stored away. Inadvertently, he layered up submodules. And he was like at the outer layer and he did a Git reset. And it oh. blew away all of his projects, not just one, every project. So, so that one, that would to be, I saw that when I'm like, this one's good because. Pretty much when you end up in submodule territory, it's usually a mistake, unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah, I stay away from them. I'm like, no, so, but no, 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 not enough experience to play in that field yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> Better be safe than sorry. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so I also see, yeah, I said that was the last question, but I also see this is the one to finish then. I also right. saw that you have a few newsletter articles, right? Oh, yep. So uh, 
I've started writing in a newsletter and trying to uh, just build up my community. Um, so some are like the more inspirational kind of tweets that you've seen. Mm. I'm trying to convert those into like a full-size post. Um, still kind of learning like how to manage all of that and learn uh, what works best there. Uh, there's a few folks that I've signed up to their newsletter and it worked out pretty, it had some content that I liked and I thought it was time to start doing that and building that audience. To do your own, yeah, because that's one of the things that you keep saying, it's stop consuming content, start producing content. Yeah, yeah. The world is ready to listen to what you have to say, so just yeah. start saying it. I read that yeah. on a morning tweet, guys, I swear. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the uh, yeah, it's crazy how before you start like publishing content, you're like everybody said everything. I don't, I don't have anything new to add, but you have your own way of saying things, and there's likely someone out there that wants to hear it your way. And like I said before, with the learning as you go, and how it's hard to speak to people who are new. You know, everybody want, has their own way of reading things. And if uh, you come across to React blog and it's like, I, I don't get this. You go to the next one. There's hundreds of uh, blogs about React. So you don't even waste your time with somebody who's not speaking your language. language yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, this, this age content has to be a little bit more directed to people because well it, it doesn't work not everyone speaks the same language absolutely uh now just uh as the end so now the questions are over okay <laughs> thank you very much uh so i just want to let everyone know that Waylon is on dev too well is also on twitter uh Waylon is on linkedin he's also on facebook are you on facebook uh, I haven't touched my Facebook in at least eight years. So no Facebook. No one's no. on Facebook anymore anyway. So, um, But there is also we're, there's also a button. So if you really, if you consume Willow's post from Devto or if you follow him everywhere around, there's a buy me a coffee button, right? On your mm, GitHub page. I don't have it yet. Oh, I do have uh, GitHub sponsors I set up. Yep. Wonderful. So, so I'm trying to figure out how what what all that looks like too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw you did set up the dev the dev tool, uh, plugin. Yep, I set that one up too. It how is that working for you? Um, I feel like there's not a lot of uh, adoption yet. So I really anything that comes from that is pretty amazing because <laughs> I feel like you know if such a low population of people actually have the web monetization plugin that's pretty cool um i feel like when uh when something goes viral you can feel it because the you can see the uh those transactions trickle in oh. i haven't i haven't even like i, I saw how it looked and i i read ben's post on it mm -hmm. but i haven't i haven't touched it because I'm still on that phase that you're saying of the, well, everything that I want to say, everyone else already went there and said it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you know how the progress goes. All right. Well, I guess this is the end of our interview for today, then. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Right, thanks for having me. That was, it was fun to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Very glad to hear. And keep up with the good work. I you. Bye. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, we're back. Hello. Nice interview. Thank you, Lace. Yeah, because like, uh, so behind the scene talk, so like Lace was recording the interview kind of very late for our time because Waylon is in the, the America, is the States. Yeah, and so the time difference make it like very difficult and like, I think Lace did it at 10 p.m. for us or something like that. And uh, she invited me. I was like, I, actually, I want to go for a jog instead. <laughs> so I, I ran away. Um, yeah, but, but she did a really good job. That's why I think it's better to leave her to handle it. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I, I learned well with you how to do that kind of stuff. I still remember my first interview with Nico that I was terrified, absolutely terrified. And you're like, no, it's going to be fine. You're going to do it. It's going to be all right. So, yeah. So thank you for teaching me then. Right. So and uh, what do we have for this week's, uh, you know, the PyPI highlight? So this is, uh, what was it called again? The sprints? Splinter. Splinter. Yeah. Yes. So Splinter is an open source tool for testing web applications using Python. So I know you're the, the test queen in Python. So I decided to bring another testing library. I was going to talk about the interrogate that Willow was talking on, on, the, on the interview uh, that I started using actually this week. And it's quite interesting, but um, I had Splinter already prepared. So we're talking about tests again. Uh, so basically, the way that Splinter works, it's, uh, it wraps browser drivers and it allows the person using the library to automate browser actions, such as uh, visiting URLs or doing things with, those, the, with, with links. And you can do all that automating it. Um, and then it just gets your web application gets much, much easier to be, to be tested if you do that. Uh, so the way it apparently does it is it creates an abstraction layer on top of the of like Selenium or whichever other browse um, whichever automation tool you're using um, to test on your web app uh, development, and then um, you can write those tests as well using an API. So it's 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 quite interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's that's good and uh so i actually i don't have much this week because i'm i was like playing around with uh with discord.py and uh i th i think i've actually showed it before like a few weeks ago and i'm now building a bot try to build a bot to register people in a conference so people can just like because this uh it's actually like still popular to use other you know registration uh tools to uh, have people sign up for conference even if it's free or not then um then you know we can have people kind of put the name and the ticket number there and we can uh, register them i can't show you the code because uh first of all the the, the like i'm afraid that i may show you the, the details of the attendees because it's just like sitting locally in my computer right now so that that's how we check against the, the registration board and also like the board have a kind of secret that i use to communicate 
uh, you know, the code to communicate with the with the bot itself. So I can't really show you the code, but uh, actually, it's the first time I'm like using async in Python. So I think it's a good time for me to learn async as well, uh, because I haven't really like do much async in the past. I don't really understand how it works. E either so it's like good to clear those concepts and because python is like some programming language that i'm most familiar with so it's it's better to learn async in python rather than in javascript even though it's more popular in javascript but i think i would have a difficulty to like understand javascript also the concept of async but using something that i'm familiar with to learn um a new concept that's that's i think that's better so mm -hmm. and yeah. also um well i think i mean i used i tried using async and javascript already and it's i think it's a bit challenging <laughs> so um yeah and python well python is easier in general to do many things and we know as well that flask is getting a async function uh soon because david told us that so yeah async in python all the way i'm looking forward to get your to see your learnings on that yeah, right. So uh, I think that's it for this week. And um, thank you again for joining us. And uh, we have no plan for next week yet. We are still figuring things out. Uh, <laughs> and sorry about like, my, me being like, not very bubbly today because I'm really tired. I was coding till very late. And uh, also, like, I'm not having a good mood because of like the situation in Hong Kong right now. So uh, I make rant about it in my tweets. So if you follow me on Twitter, then you'll know more what's going on. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I think I also, you know, I'm still doing my coding and stuff. And see you very very soon absolutely thank you very much thank you very much for watching today thank you very much Jack. it must be quite hard the whole situation in hong kong i'm really sorry about that um but well i'm glad to hear that you're doing some code you're back to doing some coding now and well, i'm not back i have been like coding for like the python clients like a, a week before mm -hmm. but i just like took a, a week of break to like do other stuff rather than coding um but now I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I really like need to code. I was just like, yeah, I'll do that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I need to go back as well. Well, anyway, lovely to have you all. Lovely to see you, Chuck. And next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you like Meet Meet Pie? Please follow us on Twitter. Give us comments. We'd love to hear what you think. See, see you next week. week.